they never really talk about, okay, so now you have this senior position. What does being a senior software engineer actually mean? Now you're expected to be a mentor. Now you're expected to lead projects. Now you're expected to be visible within the company. No one really told that to me. I kind of just had to experience it on my own and kind of go through the pitfalls of it. And I thought, well, maybe I should just share things that have worked with me and worked with other people and just make that available. Good morning and welcome to the Stack Overflow podcast. I'm Ben Popper, your director of content here at Stack Overflow, and I have my wonderful co-host Sarah Chips with me this morning. Hi, Sarah. Hey, Ben. How's it going? It's pretty good. You know, some people in my network starting to make their appointments for their vaccines. That's that always keeps me feeling positive. So yeah, I hope everybody out there is getting their appointments. But Sarah, you invited a wonderful guest on today. Why don't you introduce? Yeah, really excited to introduce Jocelyn Harper, who's the co-host of the Get Cute podcast. How's it going, Jocelyn? Hi, how are you? Hi, Sarah. Hi, Ben. Hello. Welcome. Thank you. So I love Get Cute because I also am obsessed with everything that falls in the Venn diagram of cute and programming. (laughs) As you should. As you should. (laughs) What inspired you to start the podcast? So I actually started the podcast, oh my gosh, maybe a year and a half ago now. I was just at a point in my career where I was going through like a very severe bout of like imposter syndrome. So I was really doubting if I had the technical knowledge to do my job or even still be a software engineer. And so I decided, well, let me just start the podcast and talk about things that I know and I know well and see where it goes from there. And then it kind of took off and people listen to it, which is bizarre. But yeah. <laughs> when you get real, you know, people listen. Yeah, I think that's great. You were feeling some of that imposter and saying, let me just talk about what I know. And when people respond to that, that's always really affirming. Yeah, that's what uh, a lot of people that have like emailed me have said. It's like, it's so nice to hear that somebody is going through the same things I'm going through. And I think it's just like in technology, we try to safe face and try to say it's like oh no it's like I know this and I knew this it's like no we don't really know a lot of things we google (laughs) a lot (laughs) so uh it's just nice to be able to share that with people and be like look we're not as good or as cool as you may think we are so it's it's really nice to have that with we're all about that at stack overflow that's how we make somebody googles an answer and then they end up at our site this is how we make our money exactly (laughs) copy and paste right copy and paste and so sarah tells me you're also working on a on a book what is the book about yeah um i am working on a book the book is basically about how to get from a mid-level to a senior position. And then once you have the senior position, what are your pathway options? I noticed Mm. that there was kind of a lacking in the market for what to do once you actually have a senior position. A lot of books just focus on the technical interviews, which are great because technical interviews are hard and that's the whole podcast episode within itself. But they never really talk about, okay, so now you have this senior position. What does being a senior software engineer actually mean? How, what are you supposed to do? Because once you become a senior, there's so many things that you need to start 
realizing that it's not just about code anymore. Now you're expected to be a mentor. Now you're expected to lead projects. Now you're expected to be visible within the company. Now you're expected to do more like talking and projects and things of that nature. And no one really told that to me. I kind of just had to experience it on my own and kind of go through the pitfalls of it. And I thought, well, maybe I should just share that with people, um, share things that have worked with me and worked with other people and just make that available. Yeah. It's the kind of unwritten rules of, you know, if you get to this level, here's what you need to do to be successful. And it sounds like some of those, they stand tangentially connected to the day-to-day work, but they're not like being visible or getting up in front of people, you know, having sort of like this outsized influence on the company. That's more about, yeah, you know, like not symbolic, but like a leadership kind of thing where it's like, I'm, I'm modeling, you know, a certain kind of behavior. Yeah, absolutely. Once you start, once you're a senior, it is about kind of establishing leadership. I know that there's a lot of talk about when you're at that position, you're like, where do I go? Do I go into management? I don't want to do management, but what if I'm like a staff engineer or principal engineer? And, you know, there is that individual contributor lane that I'm currently going down, but also people need to realize it's not that like you're able to just sit down and code and be like a normal engineer in that sense. It's <laughs> you're, it's a leader leadership position, like when they give you that role, you're expected to actually be able to mentor people and lead meetings and be in technical designs and business decisions and things like that. So when people hear not manager, I think the issue is that they think that they'll be able to get out of meetings and such. And it's like, no, it's you kind of, it's kind of the same thing. <laughs> it's kind right. of the same I like thing. what you're saying. So you want to be the ultimate ice is I want to sit at my desk and just contribute the Leave code, the genius code. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. So much uh, value. But, but what you're talking about almost sounds more like a, like a tenured professor or something. You know, you have to publish, you have to mentor, you have to be present at the events. Yeah, of. absolutely. I mean, there's always the option to not do those things, but unfortunately you won't progress at that company or in your career if you don't so this is one of those like back in my day stories but I think so I started in 2001 uh programming and uh, I got my first job in 2001 and at the time senior engineer was something that they would give away to people because it was so hard to find engineers that they wanted to make them feel important so like all so my first job was a senior engineering role like my it was like probably my second job it was like a senior engineering I didn't know what I was doing you know like but (laughs) it was just like they didn't have the same expectations but I feel like as time has gone on what I'm hearing from you is the industry is kind of normalized in the way that there's certain expectations around when you advance in this career there's kind of more established goals is that what you're saying yeah definitely I mean even levels.fyi is really nice because it shows what senior like what a senior software engineer means across like a bunch of companies. So fan companies, PayPal, and it shows like what that actually means in terms of not only your pay band, but also what they require of you as an engineer. And it's a lot. (laughs) They require a lot. They require a lot. Probably I would think like back in the day, you'd probably be like a director or something with the amount of stuff. But I mean, as the technology progresses and as things get more complicated, it definitely reflects on that with the position. It's really neat too that the IC track has been so established because I know a lot of engineers, and I'm sure you do as well. It sounds like you might be one that has the manager opportunity, but generally like in order to advance in the career, you had to become a manager before. And that was kind of like, oh man, I don't really want to be a manager. I love what I do. 
And the ability to be able to continue to do that seems like... Yeah, I'm definitely one of those people right now. I'm kind of avoiding being a manager like the plague. I just... <laughs> <laughs> it's, it, it's nothing... It's just I'm still trying to manage myself and my time and my resources. So to put somebody underneath me that I have to be like responsible for in managing their time, their resources, and also trying to help them navigate their career. It's just anxiety inducing. And I don't want that right now. Mm. So <laughs> <laughs> that's so interesting. So that used to be a waypoint, Sarah, you had to like go through that to that. And then you could graduate to like senior tenured engineer at large or whatever, you know, you wanted to do. That wasn't really a thing. I, I hate to like derail us, but that wasn't really a thing at the time. So it was like you were yeah. like a senior software engineer and then you were like you became more senior and then you became a manager because that's that's how you could make more money at the time. But now right, right. you can have these like staff engineer roles, which is invented because people really wanted that, which is great because just because you enjoy being engineer doesn't mean you'll enjoy being a manager. It's very different. So how did you get started in this? How did you discover computing? Like when did you? Oh, I actually went to a Java boot camp. So I'm a boot camper. It's so funny because it's actually my five year anniversary this month <laughs> from going Congrats. to the boot camp. Thanks, thanks. Uh, yeah, I was thinking about that yesterday, and I'm just like, that's, that's so wild compared to where I was before. A Java boot camp. Now. That sounds like a certain. That sounds very painful. It sounds really difficult. Uh, yeah, it was really painful. I'm not going to lie. It was 12 yeah. weeks long. It was the type of boot camp where I quit my job. So it was like a full-time thing for me. The first six to seven weeks, I really had no idea what I was doing. It was kind of like I was listening to the lectures and I was reading the material and I was doing the labs, but it was just like nothing was clicking. And I was just like, maybe I'm not meant to be <laughs> an engineer, a job engineer and all. But then at some point it just like, it just clicked and then everything kind of came together. But yeah, I went to a 12 year boot camp and then I, my first job was at JP Morgan Chase after that. And then, yeah, I'm here and now I'm a senior engineer. It's really wild to think that it took like four years for that to happen. But yeah. yeah what a great run. What yeah. were you doing? Something completely different from software before that? Oh my gosh. Yeah. I was an office manager at a construction company in Delaware so, I mean, I taught myself CSS, CSS and HTML when I was really young, like nine or 10. Um, was it, was, it um, no, I, I'm just, I just interrupted you to forget. No, it's the fine. The name of the little guys. What are they called? <laughs> um, it's called, so the website, and I actually, a couple weeks ago, I went to the website to make sure it still exists. Lissa explains it all. Oh, I didn't, oh, I've never heard that in my life. That's so cool. Lissa yeah, explains and it all. I, have to I mean, it was just like, it, it kind of embodies what I like. Now it was just like really bright and colorful and she taught you how to make tables and everything like that, like JavaScript too. Like I loved it as a kid. So oh, I, I knew this. some I need things. This. Yeah. <laughs> so I knew some things already, but my best friend at the time, she had gone through the first course of it and she was just like, Jocelyn, you need to do it because she, like she said, you're actually better at this stuff than I am. And I did it. <laughs> so you need to. And so... I'm a bootcamp grad myself from a very, very long time ago. But the thing that I really appreciate about working with bootcamp grads or even hiring bootcamp grads is that they always often have a totally different breadth of experience before becoming a programmer that gives them kind of like superpowers as a programmer. What, <laughs> what as a construction office manager, do you, is there anything you, like, you learn there that you feel like you brought into this career that may be difficult for some folks? I honestly think it's my time management. It's really funny because 
I have anxiety, but I don't have anxiety about my job. I don't have anxiety if I have like a lot of meetings or anything like that. I'm very like diligent about having like my Pomodoro planner where I figure out what tasks I need to do for the day and keeping track of that kind of thing. And I think I wouldn't have gotten that really if I didn't have to be an office manager for for, like three years and have to Mm -hmm. handle inventory and also handle people coming into the door and having to know like basic knowledge about our floor plans. It like an office manager was the title, but essentially I was like everything wrapped into one. And so when it comes to situations where I'm kind of being pulled in every direction, it's natural for me that. And I worked Mm. retail before that. So I feel like I'm just, (laughs) yeah, that'll give you some real patience. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. How do you source your cute things? I mean, I have, there's like people I follow that I know will post cute programming things, but how do you, how do you find stuff? So I follow Sailor HG on Twitter and she's kind of like the embodiment of cute things always. (laughs) So I think I started with the whole cute thing really with keyboards and it kind of expanded from there so I think I bought like an um an echo ducky keyboard that was all pink like three years ago and I was in love with it and so I was like this is a perfect shade of pink let me try to find pink everything and it went from finding my microphone to when I built my pc this last year I was like I need a pink case for it and like went from there my mouse, my gaming mouse is pink. My head's er- everything. If it's pink, I'll buy it as long as it's good. So <laughs> yeah, nice. I saw something really funny. I used to go to CES every year when I was a tech reporter. And this year it's obviously very different because of COVID. So that people just like leaned into that, that, that gaming company Razer, they make like keyboards and mice and yeah. chairs. They made a N95 mask that like matches your, your gaming I rig. Saw that. Oh. It's so funny. <laughs> Because most of my things are Razor. I'm, I guess I'm like a Razor fangirl. But I saw that mask and I was just like, why does it need RGB? What is going on? <laughs> <laughs> hey, if it's Razor, it's got to be RGB. Yeah, That's exactly. That's exactly. So, and I'm like, well, if it comes in pink too, hopefully it would come in pink. I'd buy it. Yeah. Probably. Also, why do you need the mask when you're home gaming alone? But hey, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Look, look, to look cool <laughs> for the streamers, yeah. for the streamers. <laughs> exactly. For the Twitch stream. Exactly. <laughs> First of all, you made an amazing VS Code theme. Um, Thank you. Yeah. It's very cool looking. What is it called? Uh, It's called Witch. It's called Witch Gems. Witch Gems. That's it. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. that's it. Witch Gems. Witch Gems is such a cool VS Code theme because the colors are just so warm and bright. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yeah, I... When I was thinking about making a theme, I just wanted something that, again, Sailor HG, she has a website called computecuter.com where she kind of compiles all of these really nice things like fonts and VS Code themes and keyboards and everything like that. And um, I was going through the themes and I noticed that a lot of the dark themes, like if I wanted something cute, it I kind of had to sacrifice the background quality of it being dark. Um, so it was like really like like purples or something like that. And I just wanted a theme where I'm like, no, I want it to be like an actual dark theme, but I actually want vibrant colors as well. And so since I couldn't find anything, I thought I'd would just make it. <laughs> um, yeah. Is this like Winamp? You can like build your own skins and, and set them out into the world and people pick them up? 
Yeah, it's really nice. Like the documentation for that is so great. So shout out to VS Code and Microsoft for that. But essentially, you can pretty much just anything down to like variable colors and bold and italicized, pretty much anything. And I mean, you don't necessarily have to publish it to the store like I did for people to grab, but it's fully customizable. But I figured that if people liked the colors and like dark themes, I would, I published it to the store just to see if people would like it and they like it. <laughs> nice. That's great. Do you make some, you say the store, do you make some money on that or no? You're giving No, it no, it's free. It's free, but you have to publish it through their VS uh, code store in order to download it. Gotcha. Gotcha. And so, yeah. Are there things that happened in 2020 when it comes to the way you work with software tools or tricks or things you're looking forward to in 2021? One thing I think we love to talk about on this podcast is just sort of like, what are the things that are getting you excited? Besides, obviously, you know, the, the, the cute skins you're creating, which we're all <laughs> excited about. I'm actually really excited about React server components. Um, Tell me about React server components. I don't even know what these are. Yeah, I really don't know much about it either, except that we can have React server side, which is really exciting. I was like, wow, that wasn't even on the radar, didn't even connect in my brain that was something that could happen. I saw one of my friends, Ricky, he works on the React core team, and he tweeted it. And I was like, wow, that's kind of actually really cool. And then my coworkers the next day were really excited about it as well. So that's something that I'm looking forward to and seeing how we can incorporate that at work would be really cool. So cool. Do y'all use React already at work? Yeah, we do use React at work. Yeah. Just seeing how that works would be really cool. But any anything else, I'm really not, I'm usually not in the loop. I'm like a Java programmer. So I'm just kind of like stuck in my little lane. But when it comes to things that actually come across my Twitter timeline, I do, mm -hmm. I do like that. Cool. So when, when it comes to your podcast, what do you hope that people walk away with it from? You know, like what... What I heard from you was around, you know, people that are struggling with imposter syndrome, people that are interested in things that are kind of fall between cute and programming. When people walk away, what do you want them to feel like they experienced? I want them to feel like they've experienced that they've heard technology from somebody that's real. Um, a lot of the technology podcasts that I listen to, they seem very like, I don't know. It's like very official and kind of boring because I mean, it's, it's almost like they're reading from, and like, I understand that like you, I script out my episodes as well, but sometimes it's almost just like they're going through the motions or they're reading like documentation about things. Yeah. And I mm. feel like I'm one of those type of people that I need real world experience. I need real world examples for things that I have. So I'm hoping that People are comfortable with technology. They realize that you don't have to be a certain way in order to be a programmer or a good programmer. I feel like it's really important that people understand that there's like this veil around technology, that it's something hard, that being a software engineer is really hard. And, you know, learning the basics is hard, right? But after that, it's really not that difficult. <laughs> it's really not that difficult. <laughs> and so if somebody listens to it and they've been thinking about going to a boot camp or they're teaching themselves how to code, I'm hoping that it'll give them more confidence to keep going because things, it's really not that difficult. It's really not. And hopefully they'll take that away with them and that'll help them get farther. All right. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for coming on. When your book comes out, we'll have to take a chapter and put it up on our blog. Um, it sounds like it has a lot of valuable information. So we'd love to get it in front of more people. 
Yeah, of course. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. All right, I'm going to do our little weekly ritual. I read out a lifeboat badge. This is a little stack overflow badge that went to somebody who took a question with a score of negative three or less and got an answer up to a score of 20 or more. So today we will shout out LMC, counting letter frequency in a string in Python. Thanks, LMC. We'll put the question and the answer in the show notes. I'm Ben Popper, Director of Content here at Stack Overflow, and you can always find me on Twitter at Ben Popper or email me podcast at stackoverflow.com. And I'm Sarah Chips, Director of Community here at Stack Overflow, and you can find me at Sarah Joe on GitHub. Jocelyn, how can people find you on the internet? Sure. Actually, I changed my username to Java Witch, so it's J-A-V-A-V-V-I-T-C-H. Um, I primarily use Twitter, but I'm also on GitHub as well. Awesome. Fantastic. <laughs>